Welcome to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center as pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam present this special guest speaker. All right, we're going to open up in Romans chapter 12. This is out of the NIV, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to dig into your word and see what you have for us tonight, O oh Lord. Bless this time together as we spend some time focused on you. In the name of Jesus, we receive it. Amen. Amen. Now it says here, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. It is by the mercy of God or the grace of God that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ already. And he, speaking here in Romans, Paul might know one or two things, having spent some time listening to God's word and studying what God was telling him to go and tell others. And here it says, offer your body's living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act or reasonable act of worship. And he goes on, though, not just saying, hey, you need to crucify your flesh daily. But let's not stop there and continue on to what that actually means. And he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's telling you that you've got to not only be a living sacrifice, which is a reasonable, reasonable act here, but you've got to con uh, transform your mind to the Word of God so that you're no longer conforming to what the world is trying to get on the inside of you. Now, he points it out here, but I really enjoy how one of the wisest people that we've ever read about put it. If you go with me back to Proverbs, we're going to hear about a person who happened to know something about making some money. If you're able to count your gold all day long and not have time to count the silver, you might know something about having some wisdom in this area. But he talks about the benefits of wisdom in chapter 2. It says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you. See, he's already put the preface here. You've got to be able to do this part. This part is important. My words that I'm giving you and these commands, store them up. Get them on the inside of you. There is a benefit to you if you will do so. Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as if it's fine silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk blameless. For for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then, notice we finally got into the then. There's a lot that happens already on that preface there of, hey, get these inside and search for this diligently. Make sure this is the focus here. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. 
What he's pointing out here is actually a very long list of the benefits from renewing your mind as he is teaching his future generations to get the understanding that he had here. Remember, it started off, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, it goes down, we'll see that it uh, says in verse uh, 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 8, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. He's already talking about some of the benefits that those who are focused on renewing their minds at God's word are going to see. It's a guarding of your course and protection of your way. So he's going to help to make sure you're going the right way. We know this in the New Testament because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to lead us and guide us in all truth. But even before the Holy Spirit, he was showing how you're supposed to do this before Jesus came. And this is why so many people need to get some time spending on the Word. When you start to understand the benefits of the Word, you'll see that it has these benefits and that these benefits are yours as you continue to renew your mind to what God has already said. Remember, this is the Old Testament. There's wisdom here. And under the light of the New Testament, we have a direct connection with the Holy Spirit, which will lead you back to these words of wisdom to guide you in the present day. That's why it says later on in Proverbs, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. When you're getting this word inside of you, it then will become the word that's coming out of you, and then your tongue is speaking the words of life, and then the life is going to be coming back, and it becomes this pathway to success everywhere you go. Chapter 3, he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. It will prolong your life many years. The renewing of your mind is going to help you to have the long-lasting effects of God's Word inside of you. It's going to extend your life many years and bring you prosperity. In the New King James Version, it says, For length of days, in verse 2, chapter 3, verse 2, for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. So long life, peace, and prosperity all being told you right here. If you'll get focused on God's word, if you'll spend time renewing your mind to this word, long life, peace, and prosperity are also promised as part of it. And it goes back to what we were looking at in Romans chapter 12. This time I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And you're going to be able to prove it because you're going to have that word inside of you coming to pass outside of you, and they're going to prove each other by two witnesses now. But he goes on here in verse 3, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of you a measure of faith. Now he's saying here, not to think more highly than you ought. He's not saying to think lowly about yourself. He's not saying, oh, you're an old sinner. You'll never amount to anything because God has a plan, but you missed it. 
No, he's saying to think soberly about where you are. And you're going to be able to figure out where you are. The more time you spend in the Word, the more you're going to learn, the more you're going to learn that there is to learn. Every time I learn more about God, it just seems he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. There's more and more to learn. I can go back to a scripture I haven't read for a year or two years, and I can learn something new because my situation has changed. Not because God has changed, but because he planned ahead and he put his word here for every situation that's going to come up in your life. There's scriptures in here. Go to the ant, you sluggard, that didn't hit me until I was a sluggard. And then I was like, oh, yes, now I know where I'm missing it. And you're going to see that this wisdom has been stored up. Proverbs is a fantastic place. It honestly is. Because there is a teaching here for how to live with the wisdom of God. In fact, Solomon here writing in this, I'm going to read from you just a little bit of Ecclesiastes. I know I didn't give you this in the back. But Ecclesiastes, Solomon decided, let's take a look about life is like for those who don't believe in God and don't focus on God. And I love his opening in chapter 1, verse 2. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. This is a man who's one of the wisest people who have ever lived, and he's saying, life without God, what's the point? He even says down in verse 8, all, th uh, all things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear of its fill of hearing. Have you noticed they have not stopped making new movies, TV shows, radio programs, books, CDs, tapes, cassettes, whatever. You notice that they've never stopped producing more. And I was just having a conversation with someone recently, and I was talking about how Marvel used to put out one or two movies a year. Now they're putting out what seems like 15. They're going more and more and more. Now, what does it say here? The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. But what do we know what we're supposed to be doing? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And these things... Your eye is being distracted. You're not supposed to let it be that way because then you're conformed to this world, but you're supposed to transform yourself. In fact, Solomon went on in chapter 2, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasures to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Solomon did a deep dive study, and he made sure to figure out, okay, life with God, life without God. My goodness, life with God is where it's at. And he did this, and he gave us Ecclesiastes. And I love Ecclesiastes because when I was a teenager, man, meaningless, meaningless. Oh, speak, brother. <laughs> and now when I go back and read this, meaningless, meaningless, yeah, life without God. Oh, boy. Don't want to be there. So I thank God that I'm saved. I thank God that he made it easy. You know, believe it in my heart, speak with my mouth. Goodness, that's got to be one of the simplest things that we can choose to do that comes with the most packed benefit program in existence because we've got an entire book of benefits that once we start reading what we get, you realize how simple that signature or that acceptance was. And it's not even what you did, it's what Jesus did. He decided, you know, we're going to make a contract between God the Father and God the Son because then there's no way that humans can mess this up. It'll be between us. There's no way they can break it off. There's no way they can change it. They can't change the founding writing. They can't change the ending writing. The stuff from Genesis to Revelations are going to be in accordance with that. And when you read Genesis, you'll see what he had planned from the beginning. And when we read Revelations, we see we're getting there. 
And it's coming. Oh, and that's why we have to be diligent in renewing our mind. That way we can figure out and not think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but be sober about it and use that measure of faith that he gave us. And that measure of faith goes hand in hand with it. Because that measure of faith you got when you were saved, but what you do with it is going to affect how your life will turn out. Let's look at an example in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. I'm going to read you a story here of about a lame man. Now Peter and John, these are two disciples. If you haven't met Peter or John, uh, I highly recommend Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're fantastic books. A lot of exploits that happen, especially with Peter. Peter comes up a lot. Um, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, all his life. That's what that means. There wasn't a single day, a single moment, a single hour where he wasn't lame. And then they carried him and laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked for alms. What are Peter and John doing? Well, they're on their way into the temple. Doesn't seem strange, does it? A couple of disciples who stayed with Jesus, who went into the temple quite often. Here's Peter and John walking the temple. Who knows if they passed this guy before? But here's this day. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us, because he's asked for alms from them. In verse 5, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive from them. Expecting to receive. So it's very likely he knows who these people are. Peter and John, he's expecting he's going to get something here. Now, he doesn't know what he's about to get, but he's expecting it's going to be something. Because the disciples, man, you've got to have a, a ministry of outgoing you know, cash flow for someone to be stealing from your purse over and over and over with Judas, and nobody know about it. And if he gets up in the middle of a big feast, people think he's just going to go give to the poor. So these people have to be known for it. Expecting, though, to receive from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Now he's already set the expectations for this gentleman. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I'm going to give you. And he's expecting to receive. What's the next words? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankles, uh, bones received strength. Now, if we just read it by there, it sounds like Peter just grabbed him, pulled him up, and that's how the healing hands. But if you don't read the next scripture, you miss this. So he leaping up. He was already in the process of getting up. He was ready to leap up as soon as he heard those words. He got his, his, uh, his wish to receive something. And as soon as he heard, we're going to get you healing, rise up and walk. He was up for that. Rising up, he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. He knew who to give glory to. He knew that it was because the healing came from God. And this man, Peter, we're seeing him act on faith in the name of Jesus. Where did he learn this from? Go with me to Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And we're going to look at verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Peter saw Jesus curse this fig tree. And they come back later, they see it dried up by the roots. Now here's Peter 
learning how to walk by faith and how to use that faith in actually of his daily life. And Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. And some translations say, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. He's explaining it. It's by faith. This fig tree that you see that withered up, yes, this is in the natural world, but by faith it has now been affected. And he doesn't stop there. He goes on, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. What did Peter do when he was meeting with the lame man? He said, what I don't have is silver and gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And then he speaks it out in the name of Christ Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. He used his faith and the other man received by faith and the miracle took place. And Peter learned it by studying what Jesus did, by spending time with Jesus and learning that's by faith and spending time in the word of God, spending time focused on what God is doing that these things come to pass. That's how you can use Isaiah 53, by his stripes I am healed. It's because it's a promise we already have. So now you know the will of God. The will of God's for you to be healed because Jesus took all that sickness and disease on the cross. So if sickness and disease are trying to get onto, then you go, well, Lord, my covenant says by, my, uh, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. So I'm healed. That sickness and disease, it don't belong here. It's got to go. And you'll speak it out in faith. And to get to that point, you've got to renew your mind and not be distracted by all the distractions that are coming up in this world. Because they're going to be constantly trying to distract you. Man, I was sitting in my room last night and it got pretty cold. And I went and I threw on some you know, blankets. I was like, I got to get a little bit warmer. But the cold was distracting me from what I was working on. Now, what I was working on wasn't important, so I just went to bed. But if you're working on studying you know, what the Word of Jesus is, you should then take the Bible with you to bed. Or maybe put it on audio. I've done that. I was <laughs> telling Pastor, the, I think it was like a month or two that I had Jerry Seville's teachings just on 24-7. Unless I was working on something that I actually had to focus on, and then I'd pause him, and then I'd come back to him. And I was constantly getting the word into my spirit so that I'd be fueled up and ready to go. And you know what? There is an actual outward change that I had some people notice, and one commented, man, every time I see you, you're just in a good mood. And I said, that's because I'm spending my time listening to the Word of God, and I highly recommend it. And go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Don't be distracted and focus on renewing your mind to the Word of God. And here's Jesus teaching his his disciples, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God already knows you need them. God already knows that those things are needed for your everyday life. He knows you're going to need a vehicle to get to work. He knows you're going to need the job for the work. He knows you're going to need a bed to sleep on and something to cover yourself when it gets cold in the winters here. I think it's supposed to be like 50 next week. But he goes on here. But seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and all these things should be added to you. Seek first the renewing of your mind to the kingdom of God, what God has, and all these other things. 
all these other things that everybody else is focused on, everybody else in this world that are still stuck in this world system, that are still conformed to this world, don't focus on those things. Focus on the things that are going to help you to renew your mind to who Christ Jesus is. And that's what he calls us to do. Focus on his word. Focus on him. And in closing, we'll go to Psalms chapter 119. I didn't bookmark this one, so I'll take a moment. Psalms 119, 165. I'm going to read this out of the NIV because I, I really enjoy the NIV. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them to stumble. Great peace have they who love thy law. What is he talking about here? He's talking about those who spend time renewing their mind. Those who spend time crucifying their flesh. Those who spend time seeking first the kingdom of God. Nothing, it says, nothing can make them stumble. Why not? Because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Be blessed. Have a wonderful night. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.